Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. My kids can't have hot dogs 365 days a year. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I feel like my kids are my partners in crime now with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I have my act together. I don't make my bed. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Memories, watercolor memories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about when is this going to be fun again? Yeah, I mean, I guess that presupposes that this was ever fun, which may be a topic for a different day. But I like this topic a lot. It's kind of like, if you're in a bad spell, when will this be fun again? You know, it's not like flipping a switch, right? Like this comes and goes with parts of your day, hour and minute as a mom. And but I think it's okay to wonder when is this going to be fun again? And I think it's okay to work on making it a little more fun. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think it's really this is something I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a while. We may do a longer episode around certain other topics on this. But I was speaking to somebody yesterday who doesn't have kids and was saying they're not sure they want them. And I was saying, I'm kind of like, you know, Cassandra in the myth. She's like the person who sees the future and is her curse is that she's constantly warning people about what's coming and nobody listens. Nobody ever believes her. Nobody ever believes her. She's like the opposite of the boy who cried wolf, who lied and everybody believed him. She tells the truth and nobody believes her. That's right. And I often say, like, I feel sometimes like the Cassandra of motherhood. Like, guys, listen. (laughs) I know you're picturing the Hallmark commercial where everybody's gathered around on Christmas morning, loving each other and exchanging gifts, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes with it, you know? And I'm all for having kids, but I do think the kind of in the same way that like when I see, have you ever seen those pictures where like people get married at Disneyland and they're dressed as Cinderella and Prince Charming and they're like being carted around in the coach? You know, this is a service that Disneyland offers. Yes. I just think to myself when I see these pictures, you have a fundamental misconception about what marriage is. Like it's really not Cinderella and Prince Charming. It's more like hiking partners on a very challenging mountain climb. And I worry about people who are like, 
it's a big fairy tale in front of a castle. And, and similarly, I think like the idea that parenting is fun, we should maybe dispel people of that a little bit. I'm going to say you can focus on fun. You can make it more fun for yourself. I've done a little research on this, and I feel like there are things you can do to make it better for yourself, but it's also okay to not love every minute of parenting. Nobody does. Yes. I mean, we are fundamentally agreeing. Like, I'm not saying that, like, you need to understand that parenting is a long slogging nightmare of doom. Like, maybe sometimes, but parenting is not terrible. But I think sometimes you go into it and it's like, it's all baby snuggles and fun and you and your gorgeous husband who have a baby who looks like both of you are just like throwing it up in the air and laughing. Like, I think the concept gets a little away from us. And here's the problem when that becomes something else that you put on your pile of feel bad, right? Like, and on top of everything. That's exactly why it worries me. That's right. Yeah. I'm not good at this and I'm supposed to be loving it. And I kind of don't. I'm kind of feeling this is overwhelming. And the pumpkin patch is supposed to be fun. And I'm not having any fun at all. And there must be something wrong with me. It's not something that you should take on additional guilt about. No. And I will say as an oldie locks, there are many things that work to my detriment, such as like hurting myself by getting out of bed in the morning. Like there's lots of bad things about being older. (laughs) But one good thing about being older is that I have gained some wisdom and perspective. And I give you to me one thing that in my 40s, let's say I have really discovered is the key to happiness. And that thing is expectation management. Like, I think that I have a tendency, maybe because like I'm a writer and I feel that I have a pretty good imagination, but I sometimes, my imagination takes me to bad places in which I'm like, oh, my husband's out of the house. It's near my birthday. It must be because he's planning this giant trip to Paris where he flies me there on a hot air balloon. Like, and then I'm like, oh, he got me a thing instead, you know? And so I think I have a tendency to like, I imagine this wonderful scenario. And so I spend too much time feeling disappointed. And in my 40s, I have learned the simple joys of expectation management. To just not want too much in the first place, this sounds a little sad. I mean, it sounds depressing. It does sound sad. And I feel like this is the kind of advice that older people gave me when I was younger. And I was like, you're a loser and you've given up on life. But I do think that like what ruins the pumpkin patch is the pumpkin patch is going to be us frolicking along and getting amazing pictures of my beautiful kids hugging each other near pumpkins. And you're setting yourself up for failure by doing that kind of expectation stuff. What's going to make Christmas great is everyone's having a great time. What's going to make Christmas great, and we talked about this on the holidays episode, it's going to be a bit of a hot mess, but we're all going to be in it together. And since we're expecting a hot mess, we're going to delight in that when it comes. It occurs to me that maybe the problem is, as you were saying, like to expect these snow globe moments to be all fun when they're not. And by snow globe, I mean, you know, like here we are seeing the Rockettes in New York City or whatever. And then if there's something not fun in that, therefore, the whole thing has to be thrown out or that you think that fun and lightheartedness and memorable parenting can only occur when you're taking the kids to see the Rockettes and not when you're, you know, at home, like cutting out something from construction paper that fun can also be in those little moments that aren't at Disney World. Absolutely. And that's when they're going to be like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I guess I am because I'm saying don't have children. I'm Cassandra. But (laughs) I mean, 
really. Other than that, though. I will say, I mean, I just have a friend who has a brand new baby, and I'm like, oh, you're in it. Good luck. But, like, the happiest memories of my life that I think of do occur since I first started having children 11 years ago. They are like the strongest, most memorable, most wonderful moments of my life. Mm -hmm. But the hardest, most anxious filled memories of my entire life are also in that same period. Like it kind of ups the ante. Like, and I had very bad postpartum anxiety with my first baby, which I didn't even realize what it was at the time. But I was talking maybe to my mom or maybe to a therapist. I don't remember who I was saying this to, but I was like, it's like a door has opened in my mind to like every bad thing that can ever happen to a small person. (laughs) Like it literally is like having this piece of yourself that walks around in danger. And you always think for yourself, like this is why people misjudge like that driving a car is safer than being in an airplane because you're in control. And so with myself, I'm like, I'll like, you know, I'm going to be fine driving. I can handle it. But like my teenager driving, that's horrifying Mm, to me. I see. That's interesting. And so your love of yourself is equal and more so your love of your child. But your control over them is very low. It's the worst possible situation. It is extremely high stakes, extremely low control. And that's really hard. And you should acknowledge how hard that is. And we connect fun with lightheartedness, right? I mean, they're they're certainly related, but they're not the, necessarily the same thing. And you're not lighthearted with anything regarding your baby or your teenager driving. And so you still have to have fun at times that aren't necessarily lighthearted. Hmm, I guess it might be kind of tricky after all. And I think that what I'm saying about expectation management is that Somebody said this. I wish I knew who said this. I'll try to Google it and see if I can find it. But I'm not taking credit for it. I didn't say it. It was somebody deciding whether or not to have kids. And they were like, you know, pros, you know, somebody to take care of when we're old. We love them, blah, blah, blah. Cons, we love to travel. We couldn't do that with kids. We have a lot of freedom to make choices. Like they were really sussing it out. And they just kept going back and forth. Like, ah, it all seems kind of equal. Like we could do either. And then finally, the husband was like, I just feel like having kids is full human experience. And they wrote that at the bottom of the list and they were like, Mm. okay, that's the deal breaker for us. We're going to go for it. We're going to try this. And on our Friends Without Kids episode, I was talking to my friend without kids about this and we were laughing about how when she's enjoying her like champagne brunch, I like to drive by and scream, you're not having the full human experience at her because like there is a lot to say for not doing this too. And there's a lot of reasons (laughs) for not doing this. I don't actually believe that you can't have a full human experience without children. But I think that full human experience. So anyway, in the article, they're saying to each other constantly while like the baby's like having a diaper blowout at 3 a.m. and the air conditioning's out. And they're like always looking at each other and being like full human experience. And it's like, I just think if your goal is more like we're in it, it's easier to deal with than your goal is like every moment is, as you said, I think very well, snow globe moment. So can we go back to the topic suggestion? Yes, Oh, yeah, sure. We're 10 minutes in. Let's talk about the actual topic. We're 10 minutes in because, of course, the people listening have already made the decision to have the full human experience, which is better. You guys, it's better. It's totally better. (laughs) Missy in Minnesota gave us this topic suggestion. So I'll 
explain what she says here. She says, I've got a busy three-year-old boy, a busy one-and-a-half-year-old boy. Missy, you did not have to specify that they were busy. We can imagine that. And a baby due next summer. I mean this. Oh, Missy, I feel your pain. I've done it. Yes. Missy says, I mean this in the best way possible, but when would you say things that are supposed to be fun are actually really fun again? She gives another Christmas example. She says, decorating my house for Christmas. I can't put anything out on a surface my children can reach because it's broken in four seconds. Cue my mother-in-law, who has bought us an absurd amount of delicate, breakable holiday house decor that I can't put out, and then she wonders where it is. Or just generally things that you imagine being really fun but end up being a lot of work and end up with a cranky family. So she wants us to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. I got a lot to say about this because I was exactly... It's Missy, right? Yeah. I was in Missy's shoes exactly. I had a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and an infant. And let me tell you, I was saying on the toddler episode that I went back to visit the house where I raised my kids thinking that I would be like, oh, memories, watercolor memories. And instead, I walked up and it was like the scene from Star Wars where like the voices from the past like overwhelm you in terror, like... I walked up and I just got like horror chills all through my body. Like it was not fun. And I remember telling my mom that I was pregnant with my third and she had had three kids each 12 months apart. I had three kids 18 months apart. Slacker. Yeah, I was totally down (laughs) on my game. And by the way, like had my first at 37. So I wasn't really making a plan. I was just like, let's see if we can have a couple of kids because I wanted a guy came from a big family. I thought it would be fun. And so... When I told her I was pregnant with my third, you know, she wasn't like, great job. I'm so excited. She was like, yeah, it's going to be a really hard couple of years. And she wasn't wrong. And that's like, I loved my mom's like practicality. Like she and I are very simpatico and like, it's not for everybody, but like it wasn't fun at all. I mean, there were moments of fun. And I look back at the pictures. Thank God there is a biological imperative that makes them adorable because they were so cute, but mostly it was terrible. It was tired. It was three kids. I said, my brother called me at some point when I had a baby, just one. He has four. And he said, how's it going? And I said, oh, there's good days and bad days. And he's like, yeah, when you have more, you can have good days and bad days on the same day. Hmm. And it was so right. And like, that's it. Like, someone's always having a bad day. Like, if you've got one, you've got a chance that you get through the day pretty well. But like with three, someone's always having a bad day. It's so tough. And Missy, I feel you. And I will tell you, and I said this on the Tudlers episode, people who come up to you and are like, little people, little problems only gets worse are lying. I now have an 11 year old, a nine year old and a seven year old. And we're having a lot of pretty good times. Well, okay. So I want to say to Missy that I think it definitely gets easier. I mean, of course it does, right? As they get, there's breaks. (laughs) It's less incessant, as we were saying during the toddler's episode. But just because you get more breaks doesn't necessarily mean it gets more fun or more lighthearted. Like for me, like after dinner, we have dinner as a family. And then my kids like go to their rooms and do their homework. Like it's like silent as the tomb in my house from 7 to 9 p.m. And it is wonderful in some ways. I wouldn't say it's necessarily fun or lighthearted. So I want to sort of separate out that hard is not fun and easy is fun. And that's not necessarily the case. I think you can have fun in the midst of the madness and you can be, you know, lonely when your kids are not giving you any trouble at all. That's not fun either. So I feel like how hard it is makes it hard to have fun, but it's only one part of it. Yes, I agree, but I have a strong counter argument, I think. So we're going to come right back with that. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new 
baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Amy, we're back. And I think fun is an interesting concept, right? Like, I would argue this strongly. Toddlerhood, the fun can be very easily eclipsed by the constantness and the terror factor. And what I mean is this, like, it is hard to have fun, even if you're at the park or doing something ostensibly fun. It is hard to have fun when you are constantly worried that one of your children is going to be hideously injured in some way, which I feel like with four, three and baby, you spend so much time in that headspace that it is pretty hard to find the fun. And Christmas morning Mm -hmm. is mostly about don't ruin the ornaments. Don't Christmas season is often about that. And like birthday parties are mostly about like, come on, let's keep them occupied, get them cake and get out of here. And The ability to have fun, I think, is so hampered by that. And when you were talking about you and your kids at this point, like I think about like I was at your birthday party, right? And it's like the family, the whole family, including kids, were really having fun together. That is something that is just absolutely unattainable when you have little tiny kids. Right. Nobody was in diapers. Basically, your birthday party at you know, whatever it would be 10 years ago was basically like, there's a pond nearby. I cannot enjoy anything because I'm worried that the three-year-old will somehow run towards it. You know what I mean? Yeah. My birthday party is only fun if my kids aren't at it when they're four, three and a baby. 
That's right. And I still, in fact, I was considering briefly bringing my kids to your birthday party. And we ended up having a really, really fun time at your birthday party. And both my husband and I on the way home were like, oh, thank God we didn't bring our kids because our kids are still a little too young to be fun without any worry, you know? And is it possible that your tween is going to pout through the whole thing because something went wrong for them? It is possible. But I do think that like, I would say to Missy that fun comes back about five when you're not constantly worried about your children injuring yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just said something else that reminds me of something that I've hit on before and I need to like realign myself with that. One of your kids, as your brother was saying, you can have good days and bad days on the same day because once you have multiple human beings in your house, everybody's on their own path, right? And your tween can pout through your birthday party and that doesn't have to mean your birthday party isn't fun and you're not enjoying it and being lighthearted. Like your kids can, you can't ride the same roller coaster as your moody teenager or your sick kid or whatever. You have to find a way to be lighthearted even when things are stressful. And that's available to you. I think it takes a little bit of work, but it's not worth doing because you'll be a better parent. It's worth doing because you will live a happier life for yourself. So I think it's worth finding that stuff. Well, it's really interesting because I hadn't thought of it that way because what you're basically talking about is like there is a fundamental separation that happens with your kids when there are three or four. And so you lose some great stuff, which is like constant like snuggle up time, them thinking the sun rises and sets with you. Those are great things when you have little, little kids. But the separation that happens is really important. And I think it reintroduces some of the fun because you can choose to be like, Okay, go up in your room and be mad at everyone. We're downstairs, like having a great dinner and chatting. That's true. But with a three-year-old, you are so tied to everything they're doing and they make or break every moment, you know? And thank goodness, then their fun is that they're cute and they're so funny. We were just with my two and a half year old nephew and my 18 month old niece. And like, they are so funny. The things they do and just the things they come up with and the way they act and like, they just make you laugh because they're just adorable creatures. But as the parent, I think they are kind of fun killers because everywhere you go, your fun is sublimated to keeping them safe. Mm -hmm. And when they're older, that's right. Like maybe I'm unique in this experience, but I find my life with older kids so much more fun. And people always tell me, oh, but you're in the sweet spot because then they're going to become teens and they hate you. But like, okay, fine, maybe. But there is something about the period where like, they're not actively trying to hurt themselves all the time. And you can have conversations with them. And you can really do stuff like I, Amy, refers to me sometimes as the idea canon because I do. I'm always like, let's try this. Let's try this. And then like with the podcast, I'm always like, hey, let's start a musical version, whatever. Like I'm always like, here's an idea. And I feel like my kids are my partners in crime now and I love it. I'm like, you know what we could do? My son's into trains right now. And I'm like, I bet we could find a train that we could all sleep on one night and like look out the dome car and like see cool things in the fall. And like, we're looking into it. Turns out it's wildly expensive to do that. So it may or it may not happen. But like we took an RV trip as kids. I always wanted to go in an RV. And I'm like, come on, kids, let's get in the RV. Like, I wouldn't go in an RV if I didn't have kids. Like my husband and I are going to go spend money and go around in an RV. But like, I think it's really fun with my kids now. I really am having fun with them. I feel like, Missy, I offer you hope from the future. Well, you're hitting on something that I think is a takeaway, no matter how old your kid is, which is 
the child-led thing that, you know, if you want your kids to be enthusiastic about something, then lead with the thing they're enthusiastic about. Like maybe, Missy, you don't love Thomas the Tank Engine, but your kid does. And so you can go to the train museum or you can just play trains on the floor and just land and your kid will stay there. It's like the bathtub Legos we were talking about in the toddlers episode. Like your kid loves baths, your kid loves Legos. Who cares? That's not a combination that goes together, but they're happy there. And sort of landing and staying where your kid is deeply content is a way for you to take a breath and have a little bit of lightheartedness in the middle of a crazy, busy day. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that you can have fun with four, three, and one. And I think, I remember, I mean, this is like taking me back to my college days where we were all so deep and we would sit around and be like, happiness isn't even the point of life. The point of life is to strive. And, you know, like... I think that fun is kind of a dangerous thing to put at the top of your triangle. I talk a lot on about the triangle for me. Like, what's the top? Like, what's the most important thing? And there's an, a meme. I'm not going to quote it correctly right now, but Amy, maybe you've seen it. It's like three points and it's like clean house, calm mom, something, good meals or something. And it's like, you have to pick one. Like, you're not going to have all three of these things. Like, you have to pick. Mm. One has to come out. And... I think that that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Like, where is fun in your triangle? It's probably maybe not the top, because I think keeping your children alive is the top of the triangle when you have kids under five. I'm going to take the other side of this, or at least potentially take the other side of it. I mean, of course, you're right. You have to feed. You have to do like there's stuff that has to happen. Like you have to get them to bed tonight. But I'm going to give you a quote from Danielle Laporte, who is a wellness coach, author, Living your best life. Coming in armed with research to debate me, Amy. This is just so typically you. Love it. I love this. She says, knowing how you want to feel is the most potent form of clarity you can have. So she would argue that, okay, I want to be more lighthearted. I want our home to have more fun and more joy in it. That that is really potent just to set that intention for yourself and know it. And then she says the next step is to make the connection between this is how I want to feel and this is how I'm going to create those feelings. I was just saying like, okay, so do Thomas the Tank Engine all the time if that's what your kid wants to do. And it seems to me like, okay, that's maybe Danielle Laporte would say, but that's not how you're finding your joy. That's how you're finding a peaceful afternoon with your kid's joy. I think it's okay to figure out what's important to you and set your intention toward it. Like, I really love being outside. I really love watching old movies. And it's okay to prioritize those things and lean into those things and lean away from like the precious Christmas decorations your mother-in-law got you that she wishes were out in your house. If those aren't important to you, then I think you can remove those from the screen. Oh, those should definitely come off your list, Missy. Come off your list. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're important to her. That's okay. They're not important to you. And, you know, I mean, I get it. There's going to be there's some day when your kids won't be grabbing that stuff and you're going to get them out. You know, I mean, I use the bowl that my friend gave me when my friends come over. Like, you do that. That's kindness. I'm not saying don't be kind, but I'm saying you can definitely cross off your list right now. But what will she think about this thing that I don't have time to do in this whirlwind that is my life? Yeah. And I think we're fundamentally agreeing. I think the difficulty of having really young kids is like, all joy has left my life. And that's the way you kind of feel. I think... Part of that is just, I think what you're saying is redefining 
access points to happiness and fun that can fit in with the realities of your life. Because I think feeling that, like, as you said, feeling like this should be fun and it isn't is making it worse. Mm -hmm. And so redefining it as like, I want to have more fun in my life. So maybe there are other things in my life that have to be let go. So I want my house to be spotless and have fun with my three kids under five, those things may be fundamentally incompatible. So like it may involve letting go of some things to let more room in for fun. Because you have to understand that like what used to be a very open triangle is now very, very crowded because you've got a lot of other people's needs that kind of are non-negotiables, feeding them, keeping them safe. You know, those things take a huge amount of bandwidth for lack of a better word. And so I do think that saying to yourself and making a priority of like, what's fun? Is it fun after bath time to turn really loud music on, even if the house is messy, even if that's the time I usually clean up everything and let the kids dance around naked for half an hour? It's fun, you know, like whatever, like finding things that make things more fun. It's so lighthearted to me, like before I started thinking about this, lighthearted would mean, oh, just who cares? Just let it go. You know, just let it all hang out. Right. Right. And then as I started thinking about that, I'm like, OK, for me, at least being more lighthearted is actually intentional. And it's like setting priorities for myself. And the priority is like, yeah, we're going to have time to sit around after dinner. Like family dinner is becoming very important to me as my kids get older and have more and more lives outside the house. That's really important to me. We have to be kind of intentional. Or, you know, my husband will text me and say, I'm going to be home for dinner tonight because he, you know, he works, he travels. If he's going to be home for dinner, it's extremely important that we hold dinner, even if one of my kids is like, well, I'm hungry. I have to study. You know, that like, nope, we're going to have dinner. We're going to sit down and that sounds like the opposite of lightheartedness, but the five of us sitting together, getting our teenagers full attention and talking to them about whatever, that's the goal, right? That's the end goal. And there has to be intentionality to make it happen. So it's okay to be intentional about your fun creating. That isn't like the opposite of fun to make a plan. Yeah, I think that can be really true. And I also think that like, looking back on the years that I found the least fun, if I could take one chip from Missy's brain and go back and take it from my own brain, I think it would be that there's a lot of expectations around stuff that I could have probably taken out of the equation and like making a healthy dinner every single night. Maybe I tried, but like sometimes you know, heating up microwave pizza and eating it while playing outside and letting them run by and take a bite while they keep playing. Like not every single night is a learning experience and not every single night is like a step towards college. You know what I mean? Like I put a lot of that stuff on myself when I was in that phase and looking back, I'm like, yeah, I did a lot of nonsense back then in terms of like, you know, I must limit screen time to this amount of time. And I must always have family dinner because I was always like, that's so important to me, family dinner. Like family dinner is important now when my kids are in middle school. It's really important for you when they're in high school. When they can sit still. Right. It's not that important when you have a four, three and one year old. Like right. you're spending a lot of time together. You're OK. You know, it's going to be fine. You know, the, specific to the dinner, I had to have that explained to me by a friend of mine who doesn't have kids like truth bomb that changed my life. 
life, I was sort of like, you know, beating myself up to her over the phone saying like, oh, I don't know, like, and I'll probably be like hot dogs for dinner again because I didn't get to this. And she was like, but don't they like it better when it's hot dogs for dinner? And I was like, what? Dun, dun, the, dun. the heavens opened up. Like, my kids are happier when it's pizza, hot dogs, chicken nuggets. They like that better. And why am I feeling so bad about that? I mean, obviously, my kids can't have hot dogs 365 days a year, though I tried. But it was okay. It was not only okay, it was fun. It was lighthearted. It was no problem. And I had to have that pointed out to me. Oh, it's good to have people who point out our nuttiness, isn't it? Yes. That's what we try to do for people on the podcast. You nuts, guys. Relax. I have some science about happiness and why it's hard to like be fun and lighthearted and stay that way. Oh, Can I give it to you after the break? Please do. All right. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is. Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, when exactly will it get better? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Age zero. Okay, this is happening 24 hours a day. It has to get better than this, right? Ages one and two. There's definitely not as much unstoppable crying, but now the whining has started and my eyeballs are actually bleeding from lack of sleep. 
Maybe the next phase is better. Ages three and four. I'm basically the prisoner of a small, unreasonable dictator. I'm sleeping more, but it would be a stone-cold lie to describe this as better. Ages five and six. School has started. Kid is out of the house for several hours a day. There's still a lot of issues, but I'm not gonna lie, this is marginally better. Ages seven and eight. I'm a full-time cook and taxi driver, and my clients are often angry and impossible, but they poop in the toilet and can almost manage to bathe themselves. I feel a stirring of hope. Ages 9 and 10. We're doing the school thing. We're playing some board games and spending a lot of time at children's activities, but there is some actual self-care going on, along with occasional moments of real fun. My child is, dare I say it, kind of sweet. I'm genuinely hopeful. This is better, guys. Ages 11 and 12. Uh Uh-oh. My sweet child, now rolling his eyes at me every single moment he's awake, and I have a bad feeling it's only a harbinger of the terrible to come. Ages 13 and 14. I hate you, Mom. This seems right in a definite not better way. Ages 15 and 16. I really hate you, Mom. Still not better. Thanks for asking. Ages 17 and 18. Child is large and occasionally angry, but is also making tons of plans to leave the nest. I spend much of the time crying openly that it all went by too fast. I think maybe we should have another baby. This has been When Exactly Will It Get Better? From the What Fresh Out podcast. All right, I'm going to blind you with science, Margaret. She blinded me with science. (laughs) By the way, Oldie Logs alert on that song. (laughs) Back in my day. Gretchen Rubin, I'll put a link in the show page. Oh, Gretchen Rubin has figured everything out about how to be happy. Good old Gretchen Rubin. Well, she has a list of how to be more lighthearted about her parenting. And her approach to things is, shall we say, more of an Amy approach than a Margaret approach. (laughs) That is not surprising. No. Having met Gretchen Rubin and read her books. She's definitely... Act together, lady. I don't consider us in the category of like Laverne and Shirley or like, you know, Monica and Rachel. Speaking of Oldie Locks alert. (laughs) I'm going way back. Oldie Locks. Back in my day. But I will say that we have started to realize that people are either Amy's or Margaret's. And Gretchen Ruman is 100% an Amy. She is Amy plus. So yeah, like so her, one of her lighthearted tips is to get up half an hour before the kids do to get up even earlier because no, thank you. But I get it because it's like I do this. I get my coffee. I'm like, okay, phew, what am I going to do today? And I get time to myself and get the cup of coffee in me before the kids wake up. I am a more lighthearted parent when I'm not also rushing at the same pace as they are. No, thank you to that tip. Yeah, I knew you'd say no way to that, but it's not happening. But she put me on to this notion of the hedonic adaptation. And I love a little science. Uh, I mean, I'll listen, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But go ahead. So hedonic adaptation. We actually talked about this in another context on this podcast, which is sort of like your happiness level in life. You've kind of got a default setting that you're going to go back to. Like people who win the lottery, they kind of six months later go back to as happy as they used to be. Somebody who like loses their legs in a car accident. Oh, wait, this I know about. This I've talked about. Yes. Six months later, they're about as happy. Right. So that's hedonic adaptation. 
So the problem with this is like this explains sort of the third day of Disney World when your kids are whining. Why do we have to stand in line? And you're like, we like save for this vacation for five years. You will have fun. We spent our we're about to do this vacation. So I will be talking about it soon. And it's about to rain and like, you know, and like you're at the wrong end of the park to get the trolley, like whatever. You have adapted hedonically. So there was a study that found, I thought this was interesting, that the first bite of something that's delicious, a dessert, is more pleasurable than the third bite. And it's way more pleasurable than the 10th bite. By the 10th bite of your dessert, you're already like, okay, that was fun. What else is there? Okay. I mean, I know. (laughs) Does this sound familiar? Well, I mean, I know this, but these are, I don't know. This isn't my lane. I feel like, right, of course it is, but like, eh. So what do you do about it? Well, we become accustomed to pleasure. And so it doesn't bring us the same amount of joy, unfortunately, very quickly. Because you're just adapt to this. Like, yeah, we just, like, we go to Disney World, big deal. I didn't get a balloon. You know, you adapt to it and then want something more. You have to get a sort of a new jolt to get the new hit. And so that's why you're in the middle of the Christmas with the decorations everywhere. Like, why isn't this fun? And the kids are complaining because a week ago when the decorations came out, I mean, I still remember my kids like with the Fisher Price stuff, when the decorations would come out, they'd be so excited. They'd be looking out the window for elves. And then, you know, two days later, they're bonking each other on the head again. Like it goes away because you adapt to it. So if you want your life to be more fun and more lighthearted, I guess this is sort of another argument for intentionality. You have to engage in things you actively enjoy in order to feel happy. You can't just sort of life flow by you and then wonder why you didn't have more fun. You have to set out to have fun. Well, and it's the argument for expectation management, which is not a depressing concept, which I understand it sounds like, but like, it's really about saying like, I can't wait to go get in that hot mess with my whole extended family and like, go do it. And, you know, maybe your family is such a nightmare, but like, I can't wait to get in an RV with, by the way, my husband couldn't come. So my father-in-law drove the RV. I mean, I can't wait for me and my father-in-law to get in an RV with three kids under 10. Like, of course, my expectation was not like, because every day will be a joyful memory. I was like, here comes the hot mess express upstate New York, like, look out. And so was it a hot mess? It was, but we went in with this point of view of like, This is not going to be the perfect vacation. This is going to be Christmas vacation. You mean Chevy Chase's Christmas vacation. Yeah. (laughs) And like, we're going to love it. I mean, Christmas vacation, the movie. (laughs) I think we're up to our third oldie Lux alert. Back in my day. But yes, like (laughs) this is going to be plain. I was going to say planes, trains and automobiles. Like I can't find a reference of a movie that came out not 40 years ago. But like you need some like Aquafina film to reference here. I know. Like, is there a new movie with young people who go on a disastrous vacation? Because just insert that title here because I haven't seen it because I'm old. But like, I do think that this is my thesis overall. For me in my parenting, the number one enemy of fun, the nemesis of fun The Lex Luthor to Superman's fun Mm. is anxiety. That is the thing that robs me of fun. And that anxiety is, am I doing it right? I'm yelling too much. They're going to hurt themselves. I'm a bad parent. Life didn't turn out the way I thought it would. I thought I was going to be like a movie star. And instead, I'm home with three kids who just scream in my face. Is there something wrong with my kid? Is his behavior normal? Oh, no, this is going to set him up for a life of disaster behaving this way. Like that is the absolute dark side inverse of fun. So I have found 
And I think looking back, I'm like, I'm not sure because I was so anxious with those little, little kids, three kids every single time. I mean, every day I was like, oh, you got them out of the car in the wrong order. I put the mobile one down before I unlocked the baby seat. And now he just ran out in traffic. Like every day is like a constant. It's like that fox hen grain riddle. Like, how do you get them across this road without anyone eating each other? Like across the stream. And that level of constant anxiety for me made my life not that fun. And I'm not sure if it was that fixable or if it was just something to endure. But now I find that like, I know that anxiety is the enemy of fun. And so I try when concentrating on the issue of that's why I say to Missy, like, it'll get better. Because for me, once they were more sentient and less in danger all the time, it became much more fun for me because the pumpkin patch was like, let's go run around and like go on a stupid ball race and like not, oh my God, did I lose them in this crowd? I could not have fun when I was that anxious about those things. Right. And so I don't know if that's useful to everybody, but for me, it's not, oh my God, self-actualized by getting up a half an hour early and making coffee and relax. Like that doesn't solve my anxiety. So that doesn't up my fun. You and I don't find fun or lighthearted, like we're wired differently. So yes, I find more lightheartedness by like getting my own stuff out of the way when the kids aren't around so that when they are around, I can be a little more, you know, focused on just sitting with them and hearing how their day was. If I need to get up and take a shower first, so I'm not like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I can be a little more relaxed than that. Yeah, that works for me. So I think you have to find what works for you based on how you're wired and what makes you, you know, what do you enjoy? It's not the same thing. Yeah. And my fun is like, I found an upstate lake that has bumper boats that let you shoot foam arrows at each other's heads. Like we're doing that, you know, like I like going and finding fun and like, I find the grind grindy, but that's how I've always been my whole life. Like I, Gretchen Rubin's big thing is like, make your bed before you get up in the morning. Cause it gives you a sense of order. And I'm like, I find the grind grindy like I get it I guess she's right you know she's not wrong I don't make my bed I mean I'm pretty I have my act together I don't make my bed I don't want any more grind I don't want any more like fixes I don't want any more books that are like French people feed their kids at midnight and feed them and they eat whatever I don't want any more fixes I want more fun can I give you another technique that we might use to create more fun as long as it's not grindy it's not grindy it's a little new agey Okay. I don't know, guys, how Margaret's going to feel about this. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Possibly acceptable, but likely no. But go ahead. It might help someone who's not me. You are both like practical and not practical in certain ways, I feel like. All right. Let me see. I don't know. Okay. So your subconscious. Okay. I'm worried. Has messages that it receives and gives. And I learned this first as an actor, that when I was going into an audition, an acting teacher taught me this, that if you're going into the audition, like, don't screw up, don't screw up, you know, don't do that, don't hold your hands weird, you know, that you're, she would say your subconscious doesn't understand the word don't, it doesn't understand negatives, it just hears screw up, you know, do that weird thing with your hands. If my kid went to the plate in baseball and was thinking, don't screw up, don't strike out, he was going to be much more likely to strike out than if he was saying, you know, I know how to do this. I'm good at this. I'm going to you know, swing the bat with ease and I'm going to hit the ball. You need to set the messages for yourself. So you can ask yourself when you sit down to do something, a question, because your subconscious, the thinking goes, will then try to find the answer to that. So give me an example. I'm in so far. 
So instead of saying, when is this going to be more fun? You know, you're trying to decorate the Christmas tree and the kids pulling on it, whatever. And you're like, when is this going to be more fun? You can instead ask the question, how much fun can we have doing this? How much fun can I have today? I support that. And by asking yourself, by wording it positively, instead of why is this so hard, saying how lighthearted can I be about this, that it will make it easier. I use this for my creative work sometimes when you sit down to write something. It's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. If I say to myself, how much fun can I have writing this article? How much fun can I have solving this problem? It just makes it all a little lighter. It just makes it all seem a little less important to me. And I can approach it with a little bit more lightheartedness. I like that. And I agree with it. And I think fundamentally, that's the thing of like, what can come out of the equation? What can we do that's more fun? You know, like what makes getting through the day with a 4-3 and infant better? But I think recognizing that like these are not going to be the most fun years of your life is also important too. Right. Like, but if you can say, what can I do to make this more fun? You know what? The kids love baths. What if we have a bath time from 2 p.m. in the afternoon until 3.30? Right. Like that might be more fun than like trying to do an outing where everyone's miserable, you know? That's right. You can keep your fun things small. They don't have to be snow globe worthy with a four-year-old, three-year-old, and a one-year-old. They can be in your living room. You don't have to go see Baby Shark Live to have a fun afternoon. And that's a good point because I was saying like I love to find like the crazy thing that's really fun. You can't live like that. And so like it's okay – not everything is a learning experience too, you know? Not everything has to be like, this is important. Like, fun is very, very high on my triangle, I realize. And sometimes, you know, I look at some other people whose kids might be like, (laughs) I don't know, doing a little better than mine. Like, they're probably, I mean, I'm not a tiger mom, you know? I'm like, eh, piano lessons seem annoying. Let's just get that. (laughs) You know, like, I'm the opposite of a tiger mom. And like, I do, I think I struggle to find the balance, which is like, yeah, but your kid still has to practice their instrument because it's fun to know how to do an instrument eventually. It's just not fun right now. Right. And I mean, I've struggled with that in my own life of being like, today's fun, fun, let's do it. You know, and it hasn't always panned out for me. I've made some bad choices in search of fun. But, you know, I think that for me, fun's pretty high on the triangle. I'm just like, I want it to be fun, but I couldn't find it. I had a lot of trouble finding it with three kids under five. It wasn't that fun. That's what we, I think, want to give you as a takeaway more than anything else, Missy, is that beating yourself up that you're not loving every moment is a waste of your emotional energy. You're in an intense time that is just one period in your life, and it is tough, and you don't have to love every moment of it to be a good mom. And I don't know, Missy, but if she's like me, I can give you an answer. It gets a lot more fun around four or five. (laughs) Like That's for me when it really got more fun. When they can get in and put themselves in the car seat, when they can take care of their own bathrooming needs, you know, when they can basically be left on a lawn without being worried they'll run into traffic. Like I found once I hit about four or five, the fun level pretty much quadrupled for me. Mm. May not be true for everybody, but I'm having a lot of fun right now. I really loved the baby years, but I will say, as somebody with older kids, I have two teenagers that I think I also thought that the that there was a deadline on the, the fun special times. You know what I mean? That like was when they were little that it was supposed to be fun and then they got older and you're just driving them to soccer practice and that's not fun. And I can tell you that that's not true, that having teenagers in the house is really fun. They're hilarious. They are, of course, you want more time with them than you get sometimes, but our house is very fun and lighthearted in ways that I 
didn't really understand could exist until I was in it with teenagers. So it's possible. I can testify to that. I'm telling you, we went to Amy's birthday party and my husband and I were driving home and we we're like, I don't think much fun <laughs> is Amy. That was really fun. Like, you're fun people and you do fun things. And it's much better. Just admit it, Amy. It's better than having four, three and baby. It is better. It gets better and it gets funner and it gets more lighthearted, but you can choose it in little ways. All right. We want to hear what's going on with you guys and fun. Please don't come to our Facebook page and say, no, it only gets worse. <laughs> we just skip it. If, if you feel that way, we respect and salute you, but keep it to yourself. Okay. No more Debbie Downers. No Debbie Downers. Our Facebook page is at What Fresh Hellcast. And from there, you can access, if you want fun, guys, come join our Facebook group where our awesome listeners, moms and dads are talking to each other, giving each other advice and just being hilariously fun. I have to say I'm all for it. It's a great group of people. We're also on Instagram at Hellcast, and we're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And I'll put links to uh, hedonic adaptation and all that stuff on our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Yeah, I'm going to skip those, Amy, but I love you. <laughs> I'm here for you. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.